This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Lower and once here in a Donald Donaldson Lish and the Fagoxian at near Lower Jeffrey the Danyerby. Me head will policy Shachan, Ian Rodiana, you know, we are in the start of her Lishna Bodge Bugger shoot. Skilty, Fis, Turmi. Nimajigiri and Drama Honyal Ama, Tamajigiri, Munchen Honyal Esta. Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, can trust be trusted? Liz Truss, 81,326. Therefore, I give notice that Liz Truss is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. Liz Truss is now officially the UK's new Prime Minister, the third female to hold the position. She must now form a government and tackle the pressing issues both at home and abroad. It's an honour to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. I'd like to thank the 1922 committee, the party chairman and the Conservative Party for organising one of the longest job interviews in history. Thank you very much. Like her predecessor, Liz Truss is no stranger to controversy and the occasional gaffer too. So I would strongly encourage the Irish TSOC to... to... I was at HMP Pentonville last week. They've now got patrol dogs who are barking, which helps deter drones. And I will not rest until the British apple is back at the top of the tree. I'm sorry, she's an attention seeker, Seb. That's what she is. Beyond the viral moments, Prime Minister Truss has a tough job in her hands and one that will have a direct impact on Ireland. The last thing we need now is another election in Northern Ireland, which potentially will be even more polarising than the last one. Uh, Instead, what we need is compromise, pragmatism, flexibility, and the British and Irish governments working closely together to solve problems. I'm Tabitha Monaghan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at the Irish Independent, to ask if Ireland and the EU can trust Truss, or is she merely Boris Johnson 2.0? Kevin, Liz Truss is officially the UK's new Prime Minister. In the final weeks of the campaign, she was expected to be the winner, but it didn't turn out to be a massive victory, did it? No, nothing about British politics has been boring for the last seven, eight years. Ever since David Cameron went to bring the Brexit referendum, UK politics has just been this wild roller coaster ride until we got to the Conservative Party election race because it was eternally boring. We knew pretty much from the start that Liz Truss had beaten 
Rishi Sunak. Now, he pulled it back a little bit in the last few days. She didn't win by a massive, massive runaway very I think it was 57%, but it was enough. It was never in doubt. She won't be happy with those figures, but will anyone remember those figures next week? Probably not. And she was dubbed a true blue conservative, but she's been known to flip-flop on what she believes and her political standings. Where did she start her political career? I'm going to be polite and say that she's an incredibly flexible politician, (laughs) which is something you probably have to be these days in the Conservative Party. That flexible, though. Well, we'll get into some of the detail of that, I'm sure. I mean, she started out in college, young political activist, young woman with opinions, strong opinions, not afraid to get up and say them publicly, to stand uh, at big forums in front of a lot of people, including a Lib Dem conference. Now, for people not familiar with British politics, the Liberal Democrats are the guys that are very much in favour of staying in the EU. Um, They sit in a very different political space to the Conservative Party. And that is where she started out, was on that side of politics. So she certainly flirted with it and she certainly intimated that that was the kind of outlook that she had in life. She didn't come from big wealth in the same way that, that Rishi Sunak Uh, who has millions in the bank uh, and grew up wealthy did. So she is a different kind of Conservative Party leader, but she has very much moulded herself into what she believes that the membership of the Conservative Party and perhaps more importantly, many of the most of the MPs in the Conservative Party actually want. We asked them their opinion of the monarchy. Do you know what they said? They said, abolish them. We've had enough. We met another group of people and another group of people and all three groups of people said, they said, abolish them. She also at one stage called for the abolition of the royal family. Yes, which will make uh, for a very interesting relationship. The first of which was yesterday in Balmoral, where they have to do this thing called the kissing of the hands. Now, in this post-COVID era, there'll be no actual kissing of the hands. But for somebody who opposed the monarchy, believed that it should be abolished um, in her younger political years, I'm sure that was quite interesting. Now, the Queen at this stage, let's be honest, she has seen it all in British politics. Is she the 15th? I think this is the 15th Prime Minister that the Queen is seeing now. Yeah, but go since 2016, oh, yeah. just 2022, she's now <laughs> seen David Cameron, Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss. And do many believe that Liz Truss will be there for more than two years either? Um, well, we can get on to that. But the, so the Queen has seen it all. So it won't, I, I don't think it will bother her too much. But the question is, will it bother Liz Truss? And I think if you actually mark Liz Truss's scorecard, She'll probably be okay with that because she gets to be prime minister if she has to do a little bit of of glad ragging and courtesying and travel up to Scotland because the Queen's mobility isn't great anymore. Um, She'll get on with that because it means that she gets the keys to Downing Street. Is she very much a politician who knows her crowd and knows how to play to her audience? So we spoke about the royal thing, but the Brexit campaign back in 2016, she was a Remainer. I do think it's in all of our interest to continue to communicate the real impact on the ground, the real impact that this would have on jobs, on livelihoods. Because what we know is less trade would mean fewer investments, it would mean fewer jobs, and that will feed through to people's incomes. Very, very much on the Remain side of things. She spoke extensively about the damage Brexit would do, that it would be bad for trade, it would be bad for the British economy. 
And somewhere along the road, she flipped completely on that. Now, she's not inexperienced. She, she's held a number of uh, cabinet portfolios. She's been in the Department of the Environment. Um, she's worked in the Office of the Treasury, not as treasurer, but she's been in the Department of Justice as well. She's been in international trade. And then she went on to be foreign secretary, where she ultimately took over the, the Brexit situation. So uh, international trade and uh, as foreign secretary, she knows inside out what Brexit means, the impacts of it, what it's doing to the UK economy. Um, And even within that, she's able now to fight probably harder than anybody for it. And part of the reason that she's Prime Minister today is that she has allowed herself, as one source in the Irish government put it to me, she's allowed herself to be captured by the Brexiteer lunatics. And we often hear this idea about when there was, you know, colonialism and all that here, that they became more Irish than the Irish themselves. Well, Liz Truss has become more of a Brexiteer than the Brexiteers themselves. And that, in some ways, has propelled her into Downing Street. She's taking over from Boris Johnson. His slogan was get Brexit done. She now has to pick up that mantle. One thing that herself and Boris Johnson have in common is how many times they became memes while they were in power. I mean, she isn't even prime minister and she's been memes quite a few times. Yeah, she lends herself to it, unfortunately for her, I guess. It's it's one of those things. She has, I don't want to be disrespectful or mean, but she has a bit of a goofy persona. A bit awkward. Yeah, so she stands up on stage and there is almost this thing. She tries to do the Boris thing of get the crowd going, of get the, you know, get everybody on my side, have a crack a few jokes. And, you know, most famously, perhaps with Boris in recent times, the Peppa Pig stuff. But Boris got away with it because that was kind of signed in. You you knew when you made Boris prime minister, you'd seen him as mayor of London. So you knew what you were getting. Liz Truss, obviously not as high profile as Boris when he started in the job. And so all these videos and older clips of her have started to circulate. And some of them are quite hilarious where she leaves kind of long pauses for the laughter that's not coming. Sometimes cringy. Cringy, waits for the clapping. Or then there was the famous cheese and apples example. I want to see us eating more British food here in Britain. At the moment, we import two-thirds of all of our apples. We import nine-tenths of all of our pears. We import two-thirds of our cheese. That is a disgrace. And I will not rest until the British apple is back at the top of the tree. Does she have the razzmatazz of Boris Johnson though? And as well as that, is that what the UK needs right now? They are, like Ireland, facing a cost of living crisis. There's a lot on her plate now. Is that the kind of leader that they need? I don't think she has the razzmatazz of Boris Johnson. He was a very particular type of character former journalist, of course, um, so knew the media landscape very well, knew how to play that, often looked for headlines. You felt with Boris that even though he was saying something stupid or controversial, that he knew exactly what he was saying. The problem with Liz Truss is that she might be saying something stupid or controversial, but she doesn't actually realise that it's stupid or controversial. So I think that's the, the dividing line there. And let's be honest, the reason Boris Johnson was ultimately outed Well, it clearly wasn't what was happening with Brexit or any of that, or even the economy. It came back to the fact that he kept embarrassing 
his party and his party colleagues and the controversies over Partygate, uh, the wallpaper, all that stuff just built up to the point where it became untenable for some of the more serious people in the Conservative Party and they ousted him, or as he said himself, they changed the rules halfway through the game. Um, it's not a game. That's the problem. I don't think Liz Truss is, is in that same space. I think the more the public see of her, and she may prove me wrong, but the more the public see of her, I suspect they won't like her as much because they haven't necessarily um, factored in that goofy persona into the, the prime minister role. You said that she has had some controversial moments and there's one in particular during the campaign I want to ask you is when she was doing an interview and she spoke about Nicola Sturgeon. She's got a democratically elected position yeah, just as you would. I'm sorry, she's an attention seeker, Seb. That's what she is. And what we need to do is show the people of Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales what we are delivering for them. You know, Nicola Sturgeon can sort of carry on talking about an independence referendum we had the referendum in 2014. It was agreed it was once in a generation. I didn't realise a generation happened within 10 years. That doesn't make any sense. So we've got to call her out on that. Well, this goes, I think, Tabitha, exactly to what I was saying about her sometimes saying things that are controversial and perhaps not fully understanding the implication of what she's doing. So this was an example where she has asked this question at one of the party hustings in front of party members who are on her side effectively. So she's playing the room. The audience are loving it. They're clapping. Um, they're giving her the laughs that she seems to do so dearly want. But the question around Scotland and, you know, we have our own situation here in terms of Northern Ireland, but there's actually a very delicate situation in Scotland as well, where Nicola Sturgeon is very much pushing for another referendum on Scottish independence. It's not going to be a runaway decision either way. The polls are tight. So there's, it's delicate. There's a lot at play. This trust is asked about that. And you would expect that, bearing in mind that she was already clear favourite to win the Conservative Party race, you would expect she'd give a prime ministerial answer, a diplomatic answer, which would be along the lines of, we love Scotland. There are so many reasons why Scotland should remain within the UK. There are economic reasons. There are cultural reasons. Um, there are family reasons. There, there's all this infrastructural reasons um, why they should stay. And that was what that's what you would expect her to do. Instead, she stands up and says, Nicola Sturgeon is an attention seeker who should be ignored, dismissed, discounted. And of course, that's kind of a boon for Nicola Sturgeon and those who want Scotland to break away because you effectively have the Prime Minister of, of Britain saying, yeah, the people you elect up there, they're idiots. Ignore them. Think of us way down here in London. We know better. And that that's not a great line, I, I think, to be taking. Apart from the fact that Nicola Sturgeon has seen off all those prime ministers that I listed out over the last four years. She's been there for David Cameron. She's been there for uh, Theresa May, Boris Johnson. And she may well be there when Liz Truss is gone as well. Aside from Scotland, over here, we're going to be concerned about who is going to be prime minister. How has Liz Truss's win gone down within government? Not great if I'm honest. Um, they would have much preferred uh, Rishi Sunak. Now, they've accepted from a long way out that it was going to be Liz Truss, so it's not like there's any great shock in it. They know she was foreign secretary. She's the person who brought forward the bill to effectively break international law um, and to put aside the Northern Ireland Protocol, which, of course, Boris Johnson 
agreed to with the EU. So her credentials are clear. There was a kind of a sense for a while that the EU wasn't doing a huge amount of business with Boris anymore because the clock was ticking. Um, And that happened to Theresa May before as well. When a prime minister is on their last legs, you don't make any big deals with them. So the thing had slowed down in terms of negotiations around Northern Ireland. I think that's, there's no doubt about that. But the Irish government would have hoped for a reset. They would have hoped that we could start not from the beginning, but that you would have a clean slate, you would have new people in the room and that those people would take a more even-handed approach to this. So it was five to midnight with Boris Johnson. It's now four minutes to midnight with Liz Truss. The situation has not got better because she has had to make certain promises to unionists, to um, people within the Conservative Party, the, the European Research Group, as they call themselves. And what probably will most worry the Irish government is that within her inner circle and her people that I suppose she counts as her people in in government now, you still have names like Jacob Rees-Moggs. You have people like Ian Duncan Smith making a a comeback to the the front of stage. Um, And so that is worrying for the Irish government. I think they don't expect that she's going to, to press the big red button in the next few days but she is somebody who agitates. She creates a lot of noise. And there is a fear that there's a lot of domestic problems on her in-tray and that she may use Brexit and those nasty villains in the EU as a way to distract from that. And you know, the last thing we na- need now uh, is another election in Northern Ireland, which potentially will be even more polarising than the last one. Uh, instead, what we need is compromise, pragmatism, flexibility, and the British and Irish governments working closely together to solve problems. It is expected that one of the first places she's going to visit as Prime Minister is to come over here to Ireland. And then as well, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not she will move to suspend the protocol and trigger Article 16. How likely is that? In terms of a visit, it has kind of become common practice that high on the agenda for a new Prime Minister in in Britain is a meeting with the better say it right now, Liz, Taoiseach. Um, she's had a few problems with the pronunciation Just a few. Of, of that particular word. Change the terms of the protocol. So I would strongly encourage the Irish TSOC to, prov- to, to discuss this with the EU to get a change in the mandate and then we can go to the negotiating table. The Irish TSOC to, prov- to, to discuss this with the EU... Um, it, it has become custom and practice that that there would be early on the agenda. Now, British-Irish relations are at an incredibly low point. Now, you hear people say at an all-time low. I don't know if you can compare back to famine times and and when um, British rule was on the Ireland. I think people might have a historically different view there. But they're at a very, in modern times, they are at a low. Since the and Good the stakes Friday are high. And the stakes are incredibly high. So I would expect that a meeting of some degree with the Taoiseach, whether that means her coming here or him going there, will have to happen pretty quickly. Uh, high, one of the first meetings she'll have with a with a foreign leader. Um, it won't, it'll be a meet and greet essentially, but I'm sure it'll be an opportunity for the Taoiseach to, to say, look, don't do that in wild. We'll work with you. We, want, we all want to compromise here. Um, the question then of what happens next, well, we're obsessed with Brexit, obviously, and we're obsessed with Northern Ireland, but actually it's only about the fourth item on her list, if even, to be honest, because let's feature, Northern Ireland did not feature in the party uh, leadership race. It just didn't, is the truth. So people care about the energy crisis and have they, will the lights go off this winter? Same stuff we're talking about here. People care about the cost of living crisis and there's been a lot of 
talk in the UK that the government has not done enough. They've, they've, whatever about here, we know there's a budget coming on 27th of September. There have been some measures have been taken by the government already. In the UK, there's kind of nothing has happened since Boris Johnson um, was ousted. Um, so she has to move on that and come up with something there. And then a big part of the election campaign was around tax and the economy and growth. And the UK has a big inflation problem. Um, it has a growth problem, some of which you could argue is, is connected back to Brexit. But that's not the way they look at it. And certainly Liz Truss wouldn't blame Brexit for that because she believes Brexit, well, at the moment, she believes Brexit is a good thing. So really, we're down the list. Um, So she's not going to get to it straight away, you would think. But it it hasn't and it won't go away. So she has options. One is Article 16, which effectively, if she triggers that, forces the EU and the UK into renegotiations on certain elements of what's happening in Northern Ireland. she has the legislation which she brought forward herself as foreign secretary. That's going to the House of Peers. It'll be dragged out. They'll be looking for changes to it. Um, but it's there as a kind of a threat hanging in the background. Or she can go, go back and negotiate and try and come to a compromise. And that's obviously what the Irish government and the EU want. It's probably the last thing on her list of ways of doing this because it's in some ways negotiation is seen as weak. And she keeps plying the line, has done as foreign secretary, that the EU isn't negotiating with her, whereas the EU says that she's not acting in good faith. So it's really messy and the relationships are bad. So there's a lot of bridge building to be done there. Something that could make that cost of living crisis both here and and in the UK far worse is the possibility of a trade war. Simon Coveney has raised concerns about this breaking out. Would What would a trade war between Ireland and the UK look like? It would be utterly horrible. Uh, And it wouldn't be a trade war between the UK and Ireland. It would be a trade war between the EU and the UK. But as the closest neighbour, of course, we're going to get stuck in the middle of that. Um, It will raise questions again about the border. What happens there if if the UK throw all the rules that have been agreed out the window? Where are the checks on EU goods? And that's the really practical side of it. But if you want to go back to cost of living, it's going to cost us money. If the EU starts putting tariffs on goods coming in from the UK, which we get so many of just from food, electronics, um, clothing, anything like that, it will push prices up. And let's be honest, that's the last thing that we need right now. But it's also the last thing that people in Britain need right now. And so maybe I said at the start that she's a flexible politician. So maybe when it boils down to it and she may she may make an assessment and go for economic reasons, she doesn't want a trade war and therefore it doesn't make sense to um, push through with that legislation at the minute. But who knows? She is an unpredictable character. Kevin, overall, sum up in one sentence, is Prime Minister Liz Truss good or bad news for Ireland and the EU? It's bad news. But Tabitha, I'll put a tenor on the table here. She won't last three years. OK, I'll take that bet. My thanks to Kevin Doyle for joining me today. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and independent.ie. If you enjoyed the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. 